Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Y'all ready to get into this? The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to our visitors. Miss Tracy Crane back there. I've been wondering when I was going to see you. I keep waiting to talk to you about the sale of your house, and you're like finally here. Woo! I know this is just a personal thing. If you're visiting, you just kind of give us time to actually connect with each other. We just see this as family, which is one of the things I love about what we do. You know, um, I just enjoy having a community of people to come in and fellowship with and get to know. And, and yes, there's a discipleship element. There is a teaching element. There's a equipping and doing the work of the ministry together element. But there's also this community, you know, which is what I appreciate about what you guys bring to the table in this is, is people engaging and getting to know each other. And, you know, if you're in this body, I mean, there's seems like there's a, probably a lot of people out getting food and running to the picnic. But if you're in this body... And you think, well, you know, it feels like there's what, how do I get connected? You kind of just, if you, if you leave immediately after church, you're going to miss a lot of what happens because these people actually stand around and talk to each other and enjoy getting to know each other. So hang out, get to know a few people, come to the things that we actually do put together. Most of it's fellowship-based. We do Wednesday night training sometimes. Um, but just plug in, get to know each other. You know, we, I, I love to set people free from the expectation of performance-centered religion. You know, I love to kind of take all the expectation away, but also create a deep sense of responsibility. You know, so not expectation in terms of if you're in this church, you have to be doing something. something da, 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 da. It's like, no, if you're in this church, I want you to be free, but then I want you to use that freedom and take advantage of the freedom with a deep sense of responsibility. And today I want to talk about just the idea of taking the responsibility to walk in the power of the Spirit, taking the responsibility to use that freedom to experience God's love for you and then turn that love toward others. Because, I, you know, I, I was watching this. Can I just kind of philosophize for just a minute? Philosophize. What's the word? Philosophize. Philo- I like philosophize. Gives an extra syllable in there. Any, any Jordan Peterson fans out there? Yeah. I was watching a clip of him in an interview with a priest. And I forget the priest's name. Did you see this one? You raised your hand as a fan. Does anybody know the one I'm talking about where he's talking to the priest? I forget the priest's name. He's like a well-known author. But Jordan is asking, so, so Jordan Peterson, I, I wouldn't say he's a Christian. I think, it's cl- I think he's close. I think he's getting to the point where he's going to acknowledge that Jesus actually died for our, us to set us free from sin and death. And there is an actual reality to who Christ is and not just a metaphor and not just a, a typology. What's the big word he uses? A, um, not icon, but a archetype. Yeah, so he, he is a clinical psychologist and looks at a lot of these stories 
and antiquity as archetypes. So in other words, he acknowledges that Jesus is like the best model of a human that exists, right? So the archetype of who Jesus is within the religious construct outside of the responsibility of actually believing is that Jesus is a good model. And it's not even, though he was a good person or a good prophet or any of that type of thing. He was a good teacher. It's No, the idea of who he is is the perfect example of what we should strive to become or what we should aspire to be in this earth. That's a pretty decent model to move toward. I mean, obviously, he needs to get born again and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, you know, the way of salvation. So, But I think he's getting closer. But, but his observation of church when he's asking, you know, I would love to see him speak to some, you know, non-Catholic ministers as well, because when he talks about the church, it seems to be he kind of mostly talks, you know, to... Catholic people about the church, but it was it was very interesting. You know, the the Catholic priest was talking about people leaving the church and how church is dwindling and getting smaller and all this kind of stuff. And and um, Jordan asks the question. He's like, "Well, why is that? What's going on?" He goes, "You guys have the best message on the planet. You guys have the message that will produce the most. I'm I'm going to paraphrase a little bit." produce the most change in fruit. So this guy is a clinical psychologist, right? So I'm not just rambling. I actually do have a point here, so stick with me. He is a clinical psychologist, and what this guy does is he sits with people, he does a deep dive into their lives, and he tries to walk them through their lives in such a way that he finds, helps them find a way of doing life that works for them and brings about the most positive change that you could bring about. Right? So as a clinical psychologist who has thousands of hours of sitting in front of people, face-to-face with people, talking about their lives with them, he's trying to find a model of life that helps them in good ways. Right, And even not even being a Christian, he recognizes that Judeo-Christian values are the best way to live on this planet. Isn't that interesting, right? It's like he's not a born-again believer, but he recognizes this Christianity thing it's the best way to do life. But so what he's asking of the priest is like, if you guys have this, why isn't it working? What's going on? Why are you not engaging culture and helping people engage in this belief system? Because it obviously works. He's like, he, he's in, so from his perspective is, he says, I am a master at human behavior. I understand humans at a level that most humans will never even scratch the surface of understanding. He goes, I know how they think. I know, I'm, this is his background, right? He knows how they think. They tick. He watches them make decisions. He watches humans that say, I want to live this way, but then live this way. And he's explored every aspect of model and method to advance humanity and advance human life. And he's come to the conclusion Christianity is the best model of living your life. So then he asked this guy, well, why isn't it working? Why is the church not positively affecting the world on a grander scale? And the, 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 the Catholic priest, you can tell he was like, he's like, that's a really good question. <laughs> I, you know, you should preach. He, he said that. And then Jordan said, well, I think it is because the church is not creating enough of a sense of responsibility. He said, I think the church is making it easier. 
for people to be Christians. I think that the church is more focused on comfort and the priest starts to kind of opine himself, you know, not teaching, but almost taking, he's like, oh, yeah, you're kind of right. We've made it about comfort and we've kind of modeled our services where we don't, we don't challenge people too much. And, you know, we're not, we're not provoking people through jealousy unto good works, you know. It's like we've kind of, for fear of losing people, we've made it easier. And Jordan's like, but that's, he goes, psychologically, that's reverse of the way that it should be because actually to get more engagement, you create more of a sense of responsibility. And he says, Jesus himself says, you lay it all down. You go all in. In fact, you don't even really find your life until you lose your life for his sake. And I'm sitting there watching this going, I felt a little challenged and convicted myself, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that we necessarily try to, I mean, you know, we've got thermostats in the room. We want it to be comfortable. We bought some nice chairs for you. But you know what I mean? I, 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 don't, I don't think we're playing the um, seeker-sensitive service game. But I thought about, why? Yeah, that's right. You know, people actually, the people that make the most impact on the planet are the people that are all in for whatever it is they're all in for. And I just wonder that, you know, we as believers, especially those of us that are part of a regular community, maybe you're watching online and you're part of a regular community, or you've left the church, but you come online to watch videos, and it's like, I like to watch this person for this, and this person for this, and this person for this. And I just wonder, are we not challenging ourselves enough? And here's, I don't mean this. I don't mean the people that are standing up front, you know, create a sense of you got to do this, not this demand of obedience type of preaching, you know, but I mean, from a sense of purpose. It's like you wake up every day and you have a choice every day for a large part of you. Now, a lot of your life is structured. You got to go to work. You got to take care of your kids. You got to plan for your future. I get that. I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying that you're unchristian like if you have a job. That, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying the areas of your life that you do have control over in terms of this is what my life is going to be about, what are you all in on? And I'm asking myself this question too. What, what am I all in on? What is it that I'm giving my life? How am I pouring my life into what I say my life is actually about? And I think for by and large, a large section of the body of Christ on the planet isn't all in for the cause of Christ because of the lack of power that we walk in in our own lives. And when I say power, I'm not talking about just miracles. I'm talking about can you, when you're depressed, expose yourself to the Spirit of God and allow the joy of the Lord to rise up within you and you pull yourself out of that situation? Not that you pull yourself out of that situation, but you know what to do and how to do it in such a way where you expose yourself to the Spirit of God in such a way where you experience a shift in your inner man. You experience a shift in your thoughts, which is, that's what repentance actually is, by the way. When you're facing temptation, whatever that temptation might be, do you know how to? And are you all in on overcoming that thing for the glory of God? 
You know, when you have a temptation to doubt or be in fear or enact in a behavior that is unbecoming or that sin that so easily besets you, whatever, however you want to describe it, that pattern that's destructive for you, do, can you go all in in the spirit? Like, here's the question. Do you believe that if you were to access the grace that is available, that that grace would empower you above that temptation? Like, do you actually believe that the Spirit of God in you is stronger than whatever it is that you're facing in this earth? Do you take the responsibility, and I'm talking to myself too, and I'm talking to you too, do you take the responsibility to engage the Spirit of God in such a way where you have victory over what it is that is defeating you in this moment? Do we actually do that? Do we actually go to the Spirit of God who dwells inside of us for power for life? Do we actually structure time where we go into that space with Him in our hearts and come out different? I, I don't always do that. I, I'm recognizing there are times where, you know, there are some areas where I do it effortlessly, right? It's just because of my life experience, I just know that when I'm running this particular pattern, I just, it's just like it's a natural response now because I know who I am in Christ in this particular area. It's just like, no, I just don't even, you know, if the, you start leaning that direction, there's mechanisms within you, patterns of thought that you've already created and you change and you go in a different direction. But sometimes you're wallowing in that stuff a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a few years. <laughs> and it's like the conclusion becomes, well, I guess this stuff doesn't work. Are you with me? Especially in the face of disappointment. Loss, difficulty, disappointment. When we, we see some, the condition of somebody's life or our own life is contrary to we know what Jesus died to change, right? Like that's when it's challenging. When you know that you know that you know that there is a promise available for whatever it is that you're struggling with, but yet you don't see that promise. I'm not saying there's a guarantee way to go in and experience the promise, but what's the attitude? What's the mindset? And again, I don't, I'm not trying to give a bunch of answers. I'm, I'm trying to provoke us to, yeah, I mean, I'm, am I really stewarding my life where I discipline myself to engage the Holy Spirit in such a way that there's power there for me in whatever it is that I'm facing? I don't think church is the place, I, I don't think ministers are the people that are supposed to give you those tips and tricks of how to do it. I think we talk about it, we paint the picture, we create the environment where you can be encouraged and strengthened and learn and taught. Yes, there is teaching, there is practical experience. On Wednesday nights what we've been doing is praying for each other, we've been talking about the topics and subjects and and, and modeling a little bit. We'll pray for each other and kind of start to work out the gifts a little bit. And, you know, we want to do more of that. Probably going to start doing that on a monthly basis. But, man, it's up to you. It's up to you and the Holy Spirit. You know, I think about my journey personally, and I, and I don't, I'm not trying to set myself up as the model. I don't want you to be like me. Not what I'm trying to do. I'm just kind of giving you some life experience here. What, the way that I came into knowing Christ was just this crazy, wasn't, wasn't raised in a Christian home, 
didn't go to church, uh, fell into substance abuse, crazy experience, came to believe and, and encounter God. And honestly, for the first five years of my Christianity, I didn't go to church. And I didn't, it just wasn't like on my radar. I just, I, it just wasn't part of my life. It wasn't part of our, the culture of our family to go to church. I didn't, I didn't even know what it was about. The only churches I'd been to were Methodist churches, and I didn't get anything out of it as a, as a kid. Um, not knocking Methodist, that's just where I was. But anyway, it was me and the Bible and this encounter that I had with the presence of Jesus in my life. There was a lot that I didn't know, but there was a lot that I learned in those first five years. It was almost as if the Holy Spirit discipled me and walked me through this process. And I'm not trying to claim special anointing or knowledge or any of that kind of stuff. Probably would have been sped up if I'd have gone to church, or a good church, but I'm kind of glad I didn't maybe for a few years, you know, because some, I hear some of y'all's stories about church. But <laughs> So all, all, all of that to kind of bring us to the idea of, you know, the Holy Spirit is available in our lives. We all have disappointments that we have to work through. We all have areas of our lives that we want to change. And we all have a deep sense of purpose and calling that we know is there for us to step into, but we're waiting for some reason. I'm not going to dr drill down. <laughs> this is interesting because sometimes I hear people's thoughts, and so the word, the word timing just instantly popped up. Well, I'm not waiting. It's time. It's God's timing. When God tells me, then I'll do it. Okay. Okay. Might want to go think about that a little bit. I got five different things I could say, and I'm trying to choose the least offensive one right now. <laughs> Are you with me? Did somebody say no? You said no? Talk to you later. So, please do. So the Holy Spirit is our friend. He's our comforter. What he's going to do in your life is what Jesus said he would do. Jesus said he would tell you things to come. He would remind you of what Jesus said. He would strengthen you, comfort you, and testify of Jesus. You know, I want to see the gifts in action. I see the gifts in action. I've seen all kind of stuff happen. Uh, I don't want to create a culture in this church where we're chasing the gifts, but I do want to challenge you to take responsibility to not limit what God wants to do through you. Sometimes we're in public places or there's a facet of ministry that God's calling us into and we're not stepping into it because we've been hurt, we've been wounded, we're worried about other people. Honestly, what happens, I think, in this place a lot is people come in and they discover their identity in Christ and the sufficiency of the cross and your completeness in Him and the finished work and all that stuff. And, and people are like, man, I've been striving in my Christianity my entire life. I have given money out of a wrong motive my entire life, my entire Christianity. I have served in church trying to earn favor from God. Now that I know that I'm complete in Him no matter what, man, 
praise God, the, the, the shackles are off. I'm free to just come whenever I want and have fun in church and enjoy my identity in Him. And I want, I want that for you. I want you to have such a sense of freedom where you no longer feel guilty if you don't give and if you don't serve. I don't want you feeling guilty if you don't do those things. But when you really do embrace your identity in Him, there's that deep sense of deep calling unto deep, that sense of I want to live for a purpose. There's a calling in my life that I want to step out into. And so you start wading back out into it of not from a works righteousness, not from performance, but out of identity. This is who I am. If I don't live out of this unction of the Holy Spirit within me, I'm bored at best, depressed, you know, feeling completely worthless, feeling like I'm just chasing a buzz. And that's why people end up drinking too much and people look at stuff that's not healthy for them because they're trying to create a sense of feeling, you know. I'm telling you, when, when you... When you overcome the religious obligation of doing Christianity to living out of your identity, you're way more productive and hard at work than you ever were before. But if you don't do it from the power of the Spirit, you'll burn out. You know, so the, the picture that I see is Moses before the burning bush, right? Moses, who was called to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, Tried to do it in his own strength when he was 40. And his own strength hurt people. When you do it in your own strength, you hurt people. And there's a trail of dead bodies behind you. And so he ran. For 40 years he ran. 40 years later, we all know the story. He, one of his flock disappears off into a crevice of a mountain. He goes in there and there's a burning bush. The presence of God meets him in there. And the image that he sees is a bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. There were green leaves inside that. Imagine that for just a minute. A bush that's healthy and thriving, that's got water, it's, but it's burning. You've all seen burning wood. What happens to it? The energy that's inside that wood is what combusts, and that's what's actually burning. There is an igniter. There's the gasoline, or it starts from the outside, but it's the energy inside that wood that actually creates the flame and burns. So it consumes itself. It gives up its own energy. But here's a bush that's burning and it's not being consumed. That bush is thriving inside the fire. That's the Holy Spirit within us. The power of the Holy Spirit infusing itself within us, giving us grace, giving us strength where we're not burning of our own energy, but we're thriving inwardly. Your job is to thrive in your inner man by engaging the presence of God and experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you and moves through you to the degree that your inner man will allow Him to move through you. Are you with me? You know, above all else, guard your heart. Otherwise, you're going to limit what God wants to do through you. I want us to stop. I want to stop limiting because of how I feel or how I think or, you know, whatever you start thinking about your past or maybe you're don't, you wish you were further along. All that junk. Say junk. junk. <laughs> I mean, spit on that junk, you know. 
So the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Let me just walk through a few things because I, I, I want you to walk out of here today having made the decision. I will take responsibility for the Holy Spirit in me to flow through me. I will not limit what God wants to do through me. We're going to take the limits off. Amen. And I just want to talk about the graces. Let's see here. We're having bugs today. Are you, there it goes. The graces of the Spirit. So just a couple of things to get in place here. When it comes to thinking about the Spirit, this is, to me, the most fundamental, because we've talked about baptism with the Spirit, baptism into the body of Christ, being filled with the Spirit. If you're new or you're just joining us online, uh, go back and watch those messages. I'm not going to go take the time to review all that. I'm just going to say a couple of things here. This is Romans 8 9 regarding the Spirit. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. When you get born again, you receive the Spirit 100% in full. There's not a later portion of the Spirit to get. You might experience being filled with the Spirit, and being filled with the Spirit is a, a bit of a misnomer because that sounds like you're being poured into as if you were empty and then you're filled up with the Spirit. It's a misnomer in that the Spirit is in you, but being filled with the Spirit is to yield to the power that's already in you and put on that Spirit, to put on the power that already rests within you. So it's not an infilling as much as it is a yielding to the influence of. So you either have the Spirit or you don't. You are either born again or you are not. There are two kinds of people on this planet. Those who have the Spirit and those who don't. That's it. You have it or you don't. Do you have it? Yes. All right. Then there's this. 1 John 2, 27, But the anointing that you received from Him, that is the Spirit, the Spirit is your anointing. He is the one that anoints you. Uh, receive, he abides. Say abides. abides. He doesn't leave. I lost you. Think about that. Old covenant, the Holy Spirit would come, rest upon, anoint for a task, and then lift. That doesn't happen in this new covenant reality. The Holy Spirit is in you. You might experience a yielding to where you're under His power more than others, and it's you yielding to Him. There are times where I have been ministering, and I'm just going for I'm just doing my little part, and something bigger than what I even expected happen, to happen happens. You know, there is that element. So we don't control Him, but there is a cooperation. There is a collaboration of you yielding to Him. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can suppress Him. I mean, God is God. He does whatever He wants to do. But in terms of you collaborating with Him and moving in this earth, there's a participation with Him. Keep your heart clean and pure. Keep your eyes on Him. Stay out of sin so you won't limit Him. Not to earn the favor of His anointing through behavior, but to keep your heart soft toward Him. So the, the anointing abides. He doesn't leave. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. The Holy Spirit's a teacher. Uh, but as His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it, as it has taught you, abide in Him. So He abides in you. Your choice is to abide in Him. And then we have this. I see this as a, an accountability, one of those responsibility 
passages about being filled with the Spirit. Because in a lot of in a lot of circles, being filled or under the influence of the Spirit, it's like God's just doing something independent from your will. But there's a choice here. There's, an, there's, a, there's a, a command here. There is a, there's an expectation here. Don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or debauchery or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So there is a call to action. Be filled with the Spirit. That doesn't sound like I'm just sitting around waiting for God to drop. You, I mean, you, you make a choice to drink that beer or whatever it might be. You know, it says don't be drunk with wine. You make a choice to be drunk with the Spirit also. I'm not talking about flopping around and acting goofy. I'm just talking about yielding to the strength of the Holy Spirit within you. If your expression is flopping, or flopping around or whatever, praise God. I'm not trying to demean that. Just, uh, you know, don't hit anybody in the face with a flag while you're expressing your creativity. That's bad. I, 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 I will get a hold of that one day. A little sarcasm still comes out, but, you know. Um, Speaking to one, so this is how you can stir up that gift. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart. How many of you you can sing your way out of depression? You can sing your way out of confusion. Yeah, if I could sing better, I'd do it more. But I, but I enjoy. I sing probably more with my spirit in an unknown tongue than I do anything else. Uh, so giving thanks, being thankful is one way to stir your spirit. Like, like when you're sitting there and you're overcome with a sense of lack in your life or you're looking at your bank account or you're looking at some deficiency in your life, can you reach down in your heart and express thankfulness toward God to the degree that it shifts your mindset? It shifts your choices. It shifts how you even feel about life. And I'm not just talking about going after a feeling. I'm talking about you experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit within you, you shift toward thankfulness. It's a way to stir up the Spirit. It's a way to be filled with the Spirit. It's a way to drink of the Spirit. Um, giving thanks always for, for all things to God the Father in the name or the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear and the reverential worship of God. So we have a responsibility to yield to His Spirit and allow His Spirit to be poured through us. So here, here's the picture that I see, and I mentioned it Wednesday, and, I, and I, I see this a lot, but I don't know if I've articulated it. But he, here's the picture that I see of us flowing in the ministry of the Holy Spirit toward others. It's for you as well, but specifically toward others. When you start talking about the gifts of the Spirit or the graces of the Spirit, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of faith, healing, miracles, all that kind of stuff, right? Signs and wonders. All of that stuff flowing through you, I see it the same way as what I'm about to read here, but here's the picture that I see. God is in you, and He's like that wellspring of life, like that endless supply of refreshing water that rises up within you. You ever struck a well and see that water come rising up? You know, that's like the power of God within you. But He comes up in you through your heart to be poured into your life, and... Water is interesting because it always seeks equilibrium and it will go to either the dry places and will continue to be drawn into that dry place until it fills it up. It will go into the cracks. You know, you pour out water, it's going to go and find where it can go, right? And if we're soft and sensitive toward God, that's how I see the Holy Spirit. You don't have to control God through your prayer. 
That's the beauty of praying with your spirit, praying in tongues. It's as if you're praying directly to Him. You're, you're praying His will through you. You get this out of the way, and it's just a direct connection with Him to flow into your life and touch whatever needs to be touched. That's what I see the Holy Spirit flowing through you. So, so this picture of, uh, of the Holy Spirit pouring Himself out through us, and it says through our hearts in this passage I'm about to read, He's pouring Himself out through you, and it's up to you. Are you going to drink of that Spirit into that dry place? Because there's boundaries and, bo and borders within your heart. You know, your, your heart, I, above all else, guard your heart because your heart affects every aspect of your life. There's a, there's a, in the original language, there's an idea of boundaries there. Sometimes we put a boundary around our inner man or around our heart in a dry place because of offense or hurt or disappointment, and the Holy Spirit's trying to pour Himself into that. You know, you don't have to tell God how to heal you. You don't have to tell God what to do in your life. But you do need to pull those borders down, pull those boundaries down, pull those hurts down and let Him touch that area of your life. Are you with me? I can't really tell you how to do that, but there's a relation, relational element that God will do that in your heart and in your life. Those very areas that are dry and hurt and disappointed, let Him into those areas. Even if you feel like you're fighting with Him, He's, he's a big boy, He can handle it. You're not going to upset Him by challenging Him. I hear Bob say, right, I love his story. Bob's spoken about it openly. Bob gets to a point where he's so mad at God, he throws his Bible in the corner. God says, are you done? You're all right with me, Bob. Man, I wish we had time for that, but let me keep going. Ephesians 3.17, this is the idea. So, so I'm tying a couple of concepts of the spirit of life within you being poured through you to express the gifts for yourself and for others, right? Because when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, I think a lot of times we just talk about this power, but the source of life in you is the expression of those gifts as you collaborate with Him, okay? So I see this wellspring of life in you rising up through you to be poured out for your life and for others. So you're just yielding to the Holy Spirit. So... This is the picture of it that I see in Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, and that's understand with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height to know, and that's an experiential knowledge, to experience the love of Christ, which is better than knowledge. See, we think you don't get to understand it because he just... He, all right, let me, let me do a little bit of teaching here for just a second, okay? We hear that passage and we say, we hear that, uh, to know the love of Christ, which passes understanding. And it's like, well, we just don't understand. And then that gets translated to, we don't understand cancer, but we know that God loves us. So in some way, His love is better than our understanding, and we just have to trust that He loves. And it's like, what? How did you get to that from that? And if you haven't heard people string those ideas together, it happens all the time. But it says here that the love of Christ passes knowledge, but he says right above that that he pray, he's praying that we would understand the length, breadth, height, and width of the love. Are you with me? So he prays that you would understand it, and then he says love is, is, it passes knowledge, and we're left with the idea you can't understand him, you can't understand it, 
but he wants you to understand it. Here's the thing that he's saying is love is better than understanding. Well, I just don't understand God. And it's not that you choose, well, I just believe that God loves me, but I don't understand this. Love is a teacher. Love will frame that thing in such a way where you understand it from the love perspective, but it might not make sense in this world. I know I'm not saying this is perfectly. I didn't plan on going into this part, but I want you to know the point of this, God doesn't want you in the dark. He's not interested in you being confused and sitting there wondering what's going on. Through His love for you, understanding about life comes. Are you with me? You don't just say, well, God works in mysterious ways. We don't understand His will. Well, you can. He's revealing Himself to you. He's revealing His love to you. He's revealing His will to you through His love for you. So I'll just leave that sit and we'll keep moving, all right? So we're talking about the idea of the Holy Spirit being poured through. God is love, and He pours Himself through us. We just saw that in here. That, and it's in the form of love. God is pouring His love through your heart. Why? So that to know the love of Christ was past His knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To be filled with the Spirit, you could say. How do you, so, so you're admonished, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, well, how do I do that? Well, this gives us a clue. The result of being filled with the Spirit is understanding God's love for you. Be filled with the Spirit. This passage comes to the conclusion that when you understand God's love and experience His love, you're filled till the fullness of God. Can we say that that's the same as being filled with the Spirit? You might disagree with that point, and if you do, that's fine. And I see it as the same thing. I see so many points in Scripture that, that talk about the same concept, even though it might use different words a little bit. To experience being filled with the fullness of God is the result of allowing God to love you through your heart. Now, that might seem basic and elementary, but when you're facing life and you need the power of God and you don't know what to do, you let Him love you. You let Him love you in that failure. You let Him love you in that pride. You let Him love you in whatever that emotion is that is causing defeat in your life over and over and over. You want to experience more of God. I didn't say get more of God, but experience more of God. Experience more of His love for you. It's really pretty simple. Okay, well, so how do I experience His love for me? Well, for me, I think about what He did on that cross. I think about what must have been in His mind when He was going through. This is where the Psalms are very powerful for me because I think they're prophetic of the heart of Christ going to the cross and going through the cross and through the grave. You can read a lot of the Psalms. And the precedent is set in Acts 2 of Peter prophesying, using a Psalm as the words of the Messiah in the grave through David. Are you guys following? I mean, I'm, I'm putting a lot in here. But with the conclusion, really one simple idea. God, if you want to move in the gifts, the graces, which is what grace is, a divine influence on your heart, become a master at experiencing the love of God. You can't help but to love others when you sit and you're overcome by God's love for you. 
And I don't just mean here, I mean here. Some of y'all are going through some stuff that you hadn't let the love of God be poured into yet. Go home and figure out how to do that. Work through that. God is love. He pours himself through you. So I got any Bruce Lee fans? I've got a Bruce Lee term here. We become like water. I love that. Be water, my friend, he says. <laughs> so let's look at what Jesus says about it. Again, the idea, you want to see the power in your life? Rest in his love for you, but then also let it flow through you, not in a preconceived way, but in a way that needs to be whatever it needs to be for these people that are in front of you. So in other words, the gifts for me are not the forefront of what it is that I'm trying to do in someone's life. The gift for me is... Now that I've come in contact with this person, now that I'm in, in touch with them, now that I'm, there's a connection there and it's motivated by my love and compassion for this person, the next thing that comes out is whatever the power needs to be in that person's life. So if I'm connecting with you and I'm moving towards you with compassion, whether I know you or not, the gift or the power or the display of a word of knowledge, wisdom, miracle. It's just that comes along with the package of compassion that I'm moving toward this person with. The gift is, is a bonus to, bring, to meet a need in that person's life. And, and you know, I, I want to make that nuance because in some places, the gift is the forefront. The gift is I'm gonna, I need to try to hear something for this person. Well, Why? Love that person. And then pay attention and notice the things that come along. Like I've been praying for people that I didn't know, and one time I saw bees. And, and so I kind of journeyed on down to the conversation with this woman, and she said, well, I keep bees. And the word ended up being she thought that she didn't experience God, and he wanted her to know it can be like when you're out there with your bees and there's all this peace, and it just radically shifted how she experienced God. One time I was down in Florida doing a conference, and I was... This praying for this woman, and I, I was praying for her, and she's she what was it? I think just just a general heaviness in her life. And I was praying for her, and I saw a picture of a glass slipper, you know, a Cinderella thing. And I'm like, okay, God, that's weird. <laughs> so when I see pictures, I want I want to I want an explanation along with like I'm not a big fan of just saying I see a rainbow over your shoulder, I see a unicorn flying over your head. You know, what I mean, it's like I. I if I see that, if, I, if it's a sign, I want, I want to be able to bring more to that person than just my image that I see. So I sat within it for a minute, and, and then I just got this picture. God is pursuing you. Much like Prince Charming pursued Cinderella, he sees you, he's coming after you, you are visible to him. And, and this woman just has a meltdown. I mean meltdown. She sits down, can't stand, crying, and then she finally collects herself. She reaches down and gets her purse, pulls out this little black velvet bag and pulls out a, a glass crystal slipper out of her purse. She goes, you have no idea how long I've carried this and how God, you know, so I'm like, okay, God. Now, <laughs> I wasn't trying to hear anything for her. I saw her. I just wanted to pray for her and for her to know that God loved her, and then this image came along. It's like, okay, we'll run with that. Sometimes it's not right. I've done that, and they're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. So, well, okay. You know, are you with me? But, but the more you do it, the more you learn that language. Okay? And I could continue on, and there's been some that are 
that still surprise even me. <clears throat> so, be like water. In other words, your only motive is love. Moving in compassion toward these people. A couple of passages of how Jesus said it, John 4.14, 4, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty, but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life that you get to drink of and also administer to others. He says it this way, John 7, 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, which is interesting because nobody really knows which scripture he's quoting, probably something like this, Isaiah 58, 11, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I love the imagery of that, but then Jesus comes along and says, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, uh, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit is in you, joined to you, and He flows through you from your heart. And in Mark 4, Jesus talks about the parable of the sower. The condition of your heart, not the quality of person that you are, but the receptivity of your heart to the Spirit of God will determine the degree of the kingdom that you're going to experience in this life. If Jesus paid for it, it's yours now. If it's a promise, it should be in our lives. If it's not, it's not because God is withholding it, and it's not a timing issue, it's the heart. I think we'll talk about that more next week. I'll do a, kind of a deeper dive into the heart. But So this idea of what gifts are, the word gifts, when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, is actually the word grace that, that is translated as grace in other areas. It's the charisma, it's the expression of God's influence in your own life. So the gifts equals grace, so it really should be graces of the Spirit. And then how does it work? We access grace by faith. We learn that in Romans 5.1, that we access grace by faith. Well, how does faith work? Faith, faith works by love. Again, I'm packing a lot in here to come down to one conclusion. You want to step out into the gifts? You want to see that kind of stuff work in your life? Understand God's love for you and allow that compassion to rise up through you toward others, but lead with compassion. Let love lead and then pay attention along the way. And that's the stuff, the pay attention part, in air quotes, is what we're practicing and dialing in on on the Wednesday night sessions that we're doing. We're going to do one more Wednesday night session, and then we're going to break, and then we're, we'll announce when we're going to do the regular monthly Wednesdays to practice paying attention to the Spirit as we love people. Because it's, it's noticed more than it is enacted. Right. If I could say it that way. So, allow His love to be poured out through you. How many of you want to see the gifts operate in your life and in your ministry toward others? Yeah. It starts with letting Him love you. And and, it, and the confidence grows when you can experience for yourself. When you can yield yourself to the Spirit and something in your life shifts as a result of you letting yourself be influenced by Him, it teaches your heart how to trust it for others as well. A lot of times we don't move 
toward others in compassion is because we don't believe it for ourselves. I'm not experiencing it. Why would I pray for that person? It hadn't happened for me. You can actually step over that and go ahead and start praying for people. You know, um, John Osteen, not Joel Osteen, but John Osteen, who Joel took over John's church. Joel is John Osteen's son. And John Osteen's wife, so Joel's mother. I could have just said Joel Osteen's mother. That would have made a lot of simpler, right? (laughs) Visual bombardment. She's got an incredible story. She was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And what she did was at her church, she just made sure that she started praying for people. She just overcame how she felt and started praying for people. And her story is she was healed. Praise God, right? Now, there's probably a lot of detail in that, but I'm just saying I love that example of stepping over my problem. Now, we've lost people that we dearly love through cancer. Both of my parents died from cancer, and I sat and prayed as much as I knew how to for them, and it didn't happen. But did God not give it to them? No. He He bought and paid for it at the cross. The disconnect is on our end. We can overcome that disconnect by just resting in His love for us. So to be filled with the Spirit to the fullness of God is to allow Him to pour His love through you. I have the gifts listed in here in 1 Corinthians 12, but I'm going to jump to this. Here's your homework this week. Y'all ready? Say, I will do my homework. Maybe I shouldn't have had you lie like that in church for some of you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, three chapters. You can read the whole book if you like, but I also want you to read the book of Mark. So read 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. I would recommend uh, the New King James, but pick a translation that you like. And then also read Mark 4. So 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. What I want you to look at is how he talks about the Spirit, how he talks about the gifts, how he talks about the whole mindset. Don't just read the list of gifts. Read all three chapters and see how they flow together. And here's the conclusion that he ultimately comes to. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Everybody has the Spirit within them. It's the same Spirit working the gifts through everybody. If you have... Christ in you, you have the capacity for all the gifts to work through you. And there is some bits in there about God is building His church and putting people in certain offices that He wants them to be in. The offices are not anointings. You know, like it's popular to teach, well, He's got an apostolic anointing. Well, okay, but there is no such thing under the new covenant. You have one anointing, that is Christ in you, and that anointing is leading you in the body of Christ to be, to function as an apostle. There's no special anointings under the new covenant. There's only offices of administration and expressions of grace through your heart toward others. Everybody's on an equal playing field. There's not one above the other. There's no structure where somebody is your spiritual authority or your spiritual covering. We can be accountable to each other. We can hold each other responsible for our behaviors and interact with each other. But there is nobody spiritually above you. Say, "Thank thank you, Jesus. There is no authority 
over you other than the Spirit of the living God. Are you with me? Now, you can talk about marriage covenantal, which is actually a different kind of thing, different kind of covenant, but you have one authority in your life, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? All right. So, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and then read the book of Mark. And what I want you to do is pay attention to when Jesus operates in certain gifts. And I want you to identify which gift he's operating in as he's functioning in ministry toward these people. So you're going to do kind of your own study of Jesus displaying the gifts of the Spirit. How many of you looking forward to that homework? Okay, good. At least half of you, so that's good. There's probably more than half. Read Mark 4. So read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Familiarize yourself with the list. Then go read, not Mark 4, the whole, chap, the whole book of Mark. There's only 16 chapters. And pay attention to when Jesus, because I can't teach you how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. They're His gifts. He'll teach you. We can talk about it. We can display them. We can facilitate an opportunity to practice them, but He's the teacher. Are you with me? I happen to believe that you getting alone with your Bible and depending on the Holy Spirit is better than any sermon I can come up with. But go do it. Read Mark. Look at how Jesus operated in the gifts and look at the context. What was he doing beforehand? What was his mindset? Who was he speaking to? In other words, is he speaking to the woman caught in adultery or is he speaking to the religious Pharisee that's imposing law illegally on people? And you know, Pay attention to who, how he operates and who he's speaking to. Pay attention to what he did beforehand, how he expresses it, what he does afterward, all of that. Just, just kind of do a deep dive into, I'm going to watch Jesus display these gifts, and the Holy Spirit is going to teach me this week how to operate in these things as I watch Jesus do it. Just play the movie in your mind of him operating in those. And try not to have the fireworks. Are you with me? Because if Jesus, if you probably had, if you would have watched Jesus perform a miracle, it, it wouldn't look much different than other people praying for other people. I mean, you know, you'd see the result, but there was no big fanfare. There was no angels singing from heaven. Well, sometimes there were angels singing from heaven, you know, but for the most part, it could have been missed. It could have happened, and then somebody could have said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't. You know, this expectation of the church walking in the power is what's going to spark such a revival because everybody gets so powerful they start doing miracles. Well, they killed Jesus for doing miracles. What's, what's going to empower the church more than anything is us walking in love toward others. It just is. Let Him love you. Yes, desire the gifts, but pursue love. You're not pursuing the gifts. You're desiring the gifts. You want to see them, but you pursue love, and you pursue loving others. Are you with me? That's how I want to see it. I I just want to be able to yield to God, be pulled up out of my carnal thinking, feel His love for me, and then motivate me in such a way where I just can't help but love people. And I want to put myself in opportunities and situations where that love is just pulled out of me. And that's ministry. That's just kind of how Sarah and I have always done it. You know, we've never really tried to make things happen. We just felt like we prepared so that in the opportunity, you rise to the occasion. I want to see you rise to the occasion and quit shrinking back. I want to see you stop limiting God 
and put yourself in situations where you, you, you're proud of yourself. You, you know what I mean by that. You look back and you're like, I followed God. I followed God. That was awesome. Stand up with me. Just put your attention on Him. Put your attention right here, right in your belly area, right in your inner man. Just acknowledge His Spirit within you. The Holy Spirit is within me. The water of life is in me. The spring of life, the spring of eternal life is in me. As I relax my body and I take a deep breath, I yield to His Spirit within me. I may not understand how Spirit works, but it's real. Spirit is tangible. Spirit is an active force alive within inside of me that is moving within me, just like the other energies in my body, the, the electromagnetic energy flowing through my brain, the electrical pulse running through my heart, pushing blood through my body right now. The Spirit of God is an active energy within me, just like all the natural energies within me moving through my body. My organs breaking down food, my spirit in my heart is also assimilating God's spirit, God's spirit of life welling up into me, bringing me health, bringing me wisdom, bringing me joy, bringing me peace. And as I let myself be influenced and overcome by that love of God for me, I can't help but love on others. And that is ministry. Father, we thank you. We yield to you. I speak life over every person in this room. Father, we come into agreement that you are Lord. If you're in this place or you're watching online and you've never said yes to Jesus, just open your heart to him in this moment and say, yes, Jesus, I am, I am willing to believe that what you did was for me. I believe that God sent you to save me. And if you're online, you can go to our website, forward.church. At the bottom, there's a picture of artistic picture of Jesus on there. Click on that. We'll just walk you through a process. If you're in this room saying yes to him for the first time, just come up here and let one of our prayer team know, and we have a packet that we'll give you. Father, we trust you. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I don't want to limit you. Just tell him, I don't want to limit you.